Welcome to the Vets First podcast, a research-based conversation centered around the VA healthcare system, its services, and patients. From Iowa City, Iowa, here's your hosts, Dr. Levi Sowers and Brandon Ray. Welcome back to the Vets First podcast. Today, we're really excited to have Renata Gomes, the Chief Scientific Officer of Bravo Victor, which works with uh, blinded veterans in the UK. Uh, As always, I have Brandon here. Hello, everyone. And Renata, hello and welcome. Hello. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. It's really great to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's really good to uh, speak to you guys. And it's actually a very sunny day in London. So it's going to be awesome. a good day awesome. for recording. Yeah, <laughs> we have more of the London weather here today, I think, than you do. So that's that's how it's going to go. But that's all right. Well, you know, we share it. We know we're very much about sharing anything. Yeah, uh, Renata. You know, we are excited to have you. Uh, you, you're the chief scientific officer of Bravo Victor. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what Bravo Victor is? And for our listeners, you'll notice right away that she has an English accent because Bravo Victor is located in England. And uh, I'll let her explain a little bit about what the goal of this organization is and what, um, why we're even interviewing you in the first place. Uh, thank you. So Bravo Victor is um, originally started in the UK in London, where I am recording from right now and enjoying wonderful sunshine. Um, Basically, it started about five years ago when blind veterans of the UK uh, created the research and innovation department because they really, uh, Blind Veterans UK provides rehabilitation and services for blinded veterans. So they do everything from teaching them how to use a cane um, to do uh, rehabilitation therapies with the veterans and their families. And so they started looking on how they are going to help the veterans better for the future and longer. And one of the decisions was that we, Blind Veterans UK needed to invest in research to just stop being reactive to what was happening, but also to prepare veterans for the future because veterans in the UK stay with Blind Veterans UK for their lifetime. Um, so the research and innovation department opened about five years ago. So is, we were called, pardon? Can I ask a quick question? So is Blind yeah. Veterans UK a, a government sponsored entity or is it a private organization? No, it's actually, so Blind Veterans UK is a not-for-profit organization that started in 1915, so over 100 years ago. And it was really with a lot of donations and philanthropy. And it has remained since. So I explain something a little about healthcare in the United Kingdom. So healthcare in the United Kingdom is socialized. Um, And with socialized care, then there are specific unmet needs um, for example, like with veterans, that he meant that over 100 years ago, Blind Veterans UK, formerly known as St Dunstan's, was created to specifically deliver care and rehabilitation for blinded soldiers. So Blind Veterans UK is basically like your VA blind rehab centers, sure. um, but he ha- it is mostly funded by donations, philanthropy, um, it's, it's not really by the government. And and I know that is really hard to understand in America. Um, So that's Blind Veterans UK and Bravo Victor really grew from Blind Veterans UK. And actually Bravo Victor and Blind Veterans UK, we are sister organizations. That's that's what we called, yes. Oh, cool. So 
So it was really, they wanted to create a more research-based platform for what, what kind of topics are they wanting to research? What's the kind of the goal of that? Exactly. So the initial brief was, what can we do to improve veterans and their families' outcomes and day-to-day life throughout their lifespan? Because we've had um, blinded veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan that were, when they came through the doors, they were in their early 20s and they were polytrauma patients. So they also have lost some limbs. It's what we can do to help these people to have a fulfilled life, not only in their 20s, but in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, when they have children, when they move house and so on. So our brief was really to look at the veteran as a whole. And then we started finding that we needed to combine medical research with social welfare research and innovations. So our brief is constantly what it is the best for the veteran and the family. What we started finding straight away, there was a lot of issues with traumatic brain injury that was causing significant issues and sensory loss. Um, We also started looking about family relationships because it's really difficult. You have to remember these servicemen and servicewomen, they were fully sighted. You know, they, they had to be admitted in service. They are of good health. And then the whole life just changes. Family relationships, understanding the problems there and how to improve things. Um, and another big thing was about innovations. You know, just because, you know, I, I don't say the veterans are blind. I say the veterans are living with sight loss or are living with blindness mm-hmm. because I don't want them to be defined by their condition. And this is why we have a big drive on innovations. And the innovations is really about ensuring that the veterans will not be unemployed because they are living with sight loss. They will not be able to listen to this podcast because they're living with sight loss and they can't use the systems that require sight. Um, So it's about empowering them. Um, It is a big brief and we have to constantly be very focused and everything moves very fast in our world. Of course, yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to rewind just a little bit. That, that's a really good opening description of, of that. But where did you, so where did you come from? How did you end up being, where'd you grow up and where did you, uh, or how did you come to be the chief scientific officer of, of Bravo Victor? So that's quite interesting. If you could see me, although I sound British, I do not look British. Um, <laughs> so I, I, just so you know, my hair is black and my skin is kind of olive and my elves are brown that's definitely not the definition of your um usual british person well at least an english woman so i was actually born in portugal uh, so i'm portuguese by birth i'm british by naturalization i was born in a family of five generations of um army senior army officers um my granddad is still alive and he he was fighting in the colonial wars which is quite interesting because um, when he met my partner, he said, please be careful in, in, in Iraq and Afghanistan because the type of warfare, I've been there, there in the 70s, so please be careful, watch out for this and that and so on. So that's where I come from. And I moved to England very young, so I studied here. I got a little bit of a British accent. Um, 
my background is really I'm trained as a medical and forensic specialist. Um, always been very, very curious. I want to understand why things happen, why things don't happen, and how do you fix something? Everyone thought I was going to be an engineer. So then I became a researcher and I specialized in regenerative medicine, which was all about trying to fix things yeah. uh, in new ways. And obviously with the height of Iraq and Afghanistan, I started developing an interest in military medicine. Uh, and as I progressed through my career, then I had this opportunity to really help, you know, our nation's heroes. And because of my background, I thought our nation heroes is not, just the UK or it's not just Portugal is, you know, we are united and, you know, it makes sense for us to work in the US. However, that said, um, coming from a family of five generations of army officers, I joined the Navy. Mm. Ah, nice. <laughs> That's cool. So how long, I, were you, how long were you in the Navy for? Um, I'm a uh, Royal Naval Reserve. So I'm, I'm a reservist. Um, but uh, yeah, it did cause a little bit of a, a stir. Um, uh, some of my family still don't believe I joined the, the Navy rather than the Army. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so where'd you, uh, uh, where'd you do your training at? So I actually started um, doing my first degree in um, forensic medicine um, uh, at the University of Bradford. So that's actually uh, north of England, um, not far off from Scotland, but still far enough not to be Scotland. Sure. Um, and then from there, I moved back down to London. So I was a trainee at University College London. And I then did an international PhD on regenerative medicine, which included biotechnology, engineering, and biomedicine. Um, and I actually spent some time in Boston and MIT to do some experimentation. My PhD is really focused at University of Oxford, Quimbra and Finland, actually. Oh, cool. Nice. That's pretty neat. I was going to ask, you're, so being over at MIT and talking, you touched on earlier about uh, collaborative efforts between the US and the UK. Can you kind of highlight that or kind of expand on that? What kind of collaborative efforts uh, is Bravo Victor and you personally doing um, kind of between countries? So actually, the collaborative efforts um, in research are very common because diversity is what makes the world's greatest discoveries, not just for the now, but for the next uh, generations. Um, uh, like I, I, I did work a lot, um, you know, Finland, Portugal, Spain, even Australia, um, and of course, the United States. And with Bravo Victor, it's just makes complete sense because our veterans, they, they have served together. Um, they, they serve together, they heal together. And we also believe that we should research together. So we do a lot of um, data and research exchanges uh, with, with many well, highly renowned universities. Um, Iowa is one of those places and it's great to work with you guys. Um, we also do a lot of exchanges with Veteran Affairs in the US, uh, with the Vision Center of Excellence, um, Uniformed Services University. So for us, it's really about this greater good. It is about our veterans and, and really working hard. So for those veterans, which we can 
stop from becoming blinded veterans mm -hmm. that we do that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So when you when you when you when you say to to stop sighted veterans from becoming blind veterans, you know, there's different types of injuries and, and some come come back from war blind, some get, you know, TBI and will become or have vision loss to some extent. You know, vision loss is very much a spectrum. That's something we've learned over this whole time is that it's not just all or nothing like a lot of people think of, and we've had people discuss that, mm -hmm. but it's more like this huge spectrum of vision loss. Uh, different areas of your visual field can go or, or you know, bl blurriness, blurred vision, photophobia, all sorts of different types of visual anomalies. What really, like if you could hone in on one or two topics that Bravo Victor really cares about, uh, what would that be? So uh, the first one is most definitely understanding traumatic brain injury and how it can cause progressive and continuous visual loss. And I'll, I, I might start saying sensory loss because mm. we notice the issues with hearing as well. But what we want is to ensure, you know, in some cases, like you said, it is impossible to stop the vision loss but if you can have functional sight like with functional hearing that mm -hmm. is much better than when you're you know you go all the way down to your spectrum because you go from low you may go from low vision to uh complete blindness very much like going from um hard of hearing to deaf and there is so much we do not know about brain injury, traumatic brain injury, acquired brain injury, and the impact on the senses. And sometimes we need to remember um, our eyes are a physiological extension of our brain. So these things are pretty connected. Um, I would really love to stop all of those cases of significant visual loss as a consequence of traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. um, do we have the answers? God, no. Are we working hard on it? Yes. And, you know, this is why Bravo Victor is not just UK, is UK, is US and allied troops. Because um, yeah. there are so many pieces. Sometimes I need to describe how do we do this research? And for example, with traumatic brain injury and its impact in vision um, and, and hearing, it is very much like, you know, um, radar technology. You have this radar and then you've got all these dots coming up and we need to connect the dots and find the solution. But you can't just have one air traffic controller understanding and studying each dot. This is why we collaborate and, and work together. So brain injury is one of our important things because we believe the majority of the, the cases of sight loss because of traumatic brain injury could be avoided. Interesting, okay. The other big thing we work on is promoting eye health. Um, because we, we, you know, I, I think we all pretty much take our eyes for granted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I like, that's a term I actually haven't heard before is eye health. So like, I'm, I don't even know how I, I guess well, I don't think when, about how I take I, care of my eyes. Well, when I think of it, <laughs> I have I have crooked vision, and I know when I was younger, I wasn't the best at say like swapping. This is very anecdotal for me, but swapping contact solution as often as I should. I couldn't figure out why to, why my eyes bloodshot and itchy. It's like turns out take better care of your eyes. But again, one of those things that I took I didn't think about and kind of took for granted. 
Exactly. And when I think about the military, and for ex an example, my, my partner served for nearly 30 years in the British Army. Um, you know, he's been out with many of the Americans, desert storm, dust storms, burning pits and so on. And, you know, his sight is not so great. But now he thinks, gosh, why didn't I not put that protective eyewear on? Oh, I never put drops in my eyes. I got really lucky. But another focus of Bravo Victor um, is with eye health and eye protection. And actually, we started together and the Blinded Veterans Association in the US was very important on establishing this as well. Um, there was the US-UK Joint Ocular Trauma Task Group that was formed. And that is about, uh, it's very unique of its kind because it involves not just the governmental institutions like defense on both sides of the pond um, and research on both sides of the pond, but also includes those veterans who have lost or losing their sight. And we focus on main three areas. Um, that is uh, research, education, and exchanges. Uh, the research, one of, of course, the, one of the main focuses about the brain injury and how it affects the senses. The education is actually about uh, simple things that you, you should be able to teach and tell your soldiers of any rank in any service. Um, you know, eye shields, make sure it's in your kit, protective um, eyewear, your dries get, uh, your eyes start getting dry, put eye drops on it, ask your medic for something. Um, but also for the people delivering care, a lunch tool or other areas, you know, like, because yeah, you also exchange physicians. And in the UK, we have a jumper, you guys have a sweater. So just understanding those things is quite helpful. Um, sure. It's quite helpful as well. So it is, you know, again, and it's the US, UK. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, so, you know, what kind of role do you think technology will play in, in promoting eye health? And what I mean by that is, you know, to me, it seems like we should be tracking the eyes of a person from beginning to end as they enter service somewhere. And so do you think that that will be an advantageous thing to do with like machine learning and things like that when, when people come into the military and then track it over time? Absolutely. And again, you know, like I said, I think we take our eyes for granted. Mm -hmm. And I think the eyes are just more than the eyes. They can be the eye itself, a biomarker or meaning can be can signal other things that may be going on or might going on, go on. What you said is about um, tracking throughout service. Um, I think it should be a default system uh, because of your eye health. And, you know, uh, we do a lot of work on artificial intelligence, uh, digital phenotyping. So that's kind of a fancy word to say using the technological devices that you have currently to maybe take pictures of your eyes or when you get asked certain questions about your vision and other aspects of your life to put it in. And in the UK, we ran a program which is called Dunstan. Uh, actually, we named it after St. Dunstan's, um, St. Dunstan's, which was the original name of Blind Veterans UK. Mm -hmm. And it is to understand what is going on and also 
with age, we will naturally lose some sight. Of course. We're not going to have perfect vision. But that understanding is really important. Um, is it difficult to gather all of this data? If we are organized, I think, no, it's not difficult. At least in the UK, everyone should have an eye test every year or every two years. If you have other health conditions, you are recommended to have it more regularly. But we go to our provider on the high streets and they will do a vision acuity test. They even in the UK now, they you go to one of our biggest providers in the high street and by default, they do an OCT. Yeah, that's really awesome. That's becoming yeah, more. You know, and you don't even realize it's happening. Um, the healthcare provider keeps all that data and, and so on, but we just, I think that's a really important area and maybe as researchers, we need to like start banging the drum and saying we need a coordinated effort, massive longitudinal study. Yeah. And because the information is out there, we, it's like radar again, there's all these little bleeps, the technology is out there. We just need to stop taking the eyes for granted and vision for granted and do it. Agreed. Well, the communication you're highlighting and you talked you talked about um, collaborating with um, uh, the BVA. Are there any other groups that Bravo Victor is currently working with, kind of um, stitching together this net of communication? Um, we work with a number of people, obviously, the Iowa University is one of them, and you know, you can see the published papers. Um, we, we, we have developing relationships with many other institutions, Wounded Warrior Project, of course, um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the relationships are developing. Um, and I think I hope that soon enough Bravo Victor becomes a household name in the United States, very much as is becoming in the United Kingdom. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You all work closely with uh, the Blinded Veterans Association here in the United States. And, you know, that organization has been really instrumental in getting eye research uh, to be more prominent, both in the DOD and the VA. And like, do you kind of foresee that's the direction that the B the Bravo Victor takes moving forward? Are, are you going to, to attempt to change governmental organizations worldwide? Or is it that big of a picture for, for Bravo Victor? So Bravo Victor's focus is not only to um, enhance and support the world's best scientists to really um, improve life uh, for those living with sight loss um, but it, it is also to provide world-class evidence and, and results. Um, that's what, what the future will be. We will figure out together, really. Of course. Um, yeah. But our focus is really on producing high-quality evidence. And everything we produce is open source. So it's not behind paywalls or anything. We publish it open access because we believe that everyone has the right to knowledge and it should be a free access. Um, institutions such as the Blinded Veterans Association in the US, they take that information and you know, they, they really try to get um, you know, more support 
for uh, research in these areas and the other areas, try to improve veterans employment from some of our employment research and, and social welfare programs. Now, if Bravo Victor will take the route, uh, a similar route to that, um, Probably not, but I'm never going to say never because we. Sure. this is a journey for us all together, right? Yeah, absolutely. Most definitely our focus is into research, finding solutions and making evidence and knowledge available. So if I was um, not even just a veteran, a citizen, if anyone, uh, if I was interested in finding and learning more about Bravo Victor, this open source research, or even getting involved, uh, how would I go about that? It's very easy. You can find us um, on anywhere on social media is um, bravovictor.org. And the website is basically www.bravovictor.org. And um, you can find we, you can find our research there. And we do a lot of translation of research into videos, into simple infographics. Um, but if you want to participate in our research, because we take participants as well, you can just, you know, we have many, many lines. Uh, so research at bravovictor.org, just drop us an email and say, oh, by the way, this is me. Um, I'm interested in this or that. Are you doing anything on this? Or I'm a volunteer. Um, we also have a number, um, a few phone numbers at the moment that they only UK numbers. Fingers crossed, we one day we have like a free US number because, you know, we believe also there should be no barriers in contact or communication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, it's time for the fun part. Not that that hasn't been fun, but uh, okay. <laughs> we like to ask uh, everybody this question. What do you do for fun? What, you know, you, you're a busy human being and uh, we, we, it, you know, it took almost a month for us to interview you for an hour segment because you're so, your schedule is so full. So what do you do for fun? Well, I have to say my schedule was full and I honestly did not want it to be jet lag when I spoke to you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, don't feel bad about it. Oh, no I'm just problem. using that as a, as an example of how hard you're working towards your goals. Oh, okay. So um, what do I do for fun? Well, that's a very good question. And you put me on the spot. Because I know, that's a good one. I, I was thinking, what do I do for fun? At the moment, I don't really have a hobby other than just going through TikTok and watching adorable puppy videos. That, this is perfect. Um, I, I, what I, my I, wife does. This is awesome. I, I listen. TikTok for me um, is amazing. I, you see, my feeds is only puppies and dogs. However, <laughs> other than being on TikTok looking at adorable puppy and dog videos. And oh, well, you just, oh, dogs do something to me. You just make me melt. <laughs> um, this is going to sound pretty awful, but I find cleaning the house and organizing my wardrobe quite therapeutic. Um, it gives me the space to think. Yeah. And um, I actually have fun because at the end, I look at the house and it's clean. Um, <laughs> Isn't there that TV show? It's like the joy of so. Joy yeah, of probably you never. We haven't heard that one yet. That's for sure. Yeah, but that's awesome because yeah. it's like it doesn't matter. It's about you and what you like. And, yeah, you know, you're probably never heard many people saying that um, they clean their house for fun. But if it has, if you have to score it, 
TikTok, TikTok puppy videos, number one. Mm, cleaning the house and organizing the wardrobe, I guess, is like maybe an equal you, to. Do you have a dog? No, I don't have a dog at the moment, but I understand that we may be getting a um, Labrador soon. Oh, nice. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a puppy. It could very well also be a rescue animal. And if it's a rescue, it's unlikely to be a puppy. But, you know, I, I think for me, dogs is a, bit, a little bit like children. You don't oh, yeah. mind, you know. Mm -hmm. you, you're just happy that they're happy and they're healthy if, if that's the case. That's a true statement. That's an absolute true statement. Well, it's been a really great time interviewing you and we really thank you for coming on the Best First Podcast. Um, yeah, thank you, Renata. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's really great to talk to you and for any of the veterans listening to this. I really hope you have a good day and just remember you are not defined by whatever you're dealing with right now and there's always a silver lining and tomorrow is always a better day. This concludes today's Vets First podcast. For questions or comments relating to the program, please direct email correspondence to vetsfirstpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.